Today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. All right, many have uh, chatted about uh, the origins of COVID-19 and how this is going to chase the uh, change the face of China uh, in the eyes of the world. Uh, for for a long time to come, uh, China, a, a very, very, very poor country for many decades, and then in the last 25 years has literally uh, turned its economy uh, around to the extent that it is pretty much interwoven in everyone's economy around the world. Uh, now we have scenarios uh, such as, as we're having, um, and, and again, it's making us take a closer look at our relationship with China and the way that these specifically the Communist Party of China uh, treats its people and the rest of the world, uh, which brings us to a report from the McDonald Laurier Institute, uh, which says that more than 100 China experts in senior political figures have signed an open letter describing the Chinese Communist Party's government cover-up of COVID-19 as China's Chernobyl moment. You might remember with uh, the uh, nuclear meltdown. Uh, the group of uh, signatories, who also include some of the world's leading authorities on Chinese politics, law, and modern history, say that the uh, Chinese government's rule by fear endangers Chinese citizens and the world and is signed by many, uh, several of the McDonald Laurier Institute fellows and contributors. Uh, to talk about all of this and bring it into some sort of perspective, Elliot Tepper is with us, Emeritus Perfector, uh, Professor of Political Science, Carleton University. And he is with us now. Thank you so much for the time, Elliot. Much appreciated. Uh, good afternoon, Scott. So what are your thoughts on this, uh, this powerful document that's come from the McDonald Laurier Institute? I guess I'm two-sided on it. My first thought was uh, this is a very bold statement, but it's also a bold rebuttal, as they not, uh, mentioned in their opening uh, part of the, this document, to a very impressive list of people from China, scholars and uh, others from the Wuhan area not long ago, saying, we are from the area and we're telling you you shouldn't politicize uh, this crisis. We're all in this together and you should stop in the West trying to, trying to you know, basically blame China. So this is a response to that. And the, they're saying uh, correctly all the way through that there is reason to uh, be very disturbed by the Chinese government's behavior, that they should not benefit, but they should be held accountable, and that this perhaps then is the Chernobyl moment. So the first side of that I, I see is, uh, and you'll notice that among the signatories is Erwin Kotler, who is an internationally known human rights leader, and he commands deservedly our respect. But... The other side of that is, is it going to be the Chernobyl moment? Is this going to be the moment that undermines the legitimacy of the party itself and its hold on power in China? Because what it refers to, as you opened up your comments on Chernobyl, the Soviet Union basically was accelerated in its demise by its mishandling of the Chernobyl disaster. Its mendacity was so transparent it lost legitimacy and then ultimately lost power. And we entered into the Russian era, the post-Soviet era. I'm not as sure that side of the equation is going to hold. Uh, you said that uh, China being held accountable. Will they be held accountable? What does that mean? Uh, 
will the world, and more importantly, will the people of China, inside China, come to the firm, crystallized uh, moment, the decisive moment, when everyone says that this government, uh, the communist CCP, the Communist Party, Communist Chinese Party, which governs China, and basically is the China that we know today, have they, through their mishandling of this crisis, lost such legitimacy that they are going to lose global esteem, uh, global influence, and at home, the potential for even a loss of legitimacy so severe it draws the regime into question. That's, that's the, the open question that's raised by that. Is this discussion being downplayed? Which discussion? The discussion that the McDonald Laurie Institute is talking about, the, uh, being, uh, of holding China accountable. But the, the notable Im- impact of this letter is that it's brought back into question the, um, the drive by Xi Jinping in, uh, to reshape history. Uh, you and I have talked about this. The notion originally was, uh, from the outside world looking in, that we were not getting accurate information. They weren't transparent. They were laggard. And as a result, the rest of the world suffered. But the rewriting of history the deflection of blame internally by Xi Jinping down to local officials, the, the framing of this as the heroic response of the people through the party to combat the enemy of the Chinese people, um, that seems to be gaining some traction. That the, the refurbishing of the image of Xi Jinping inside China seems to be going forward. And this letter, this open letter and the, and the news that it's creating, is a good counter to that effort, but uh, whether it will succeed or not isn't clear. But it is an effort to say, hey, we don't have to accept the Chinese Xi Jinping version of how well they have responded and how we should all be grateful to them. And we were discussing this last week when all of a sudden masks and medical supplies started arriving from China. Yes. Uh, to help, specifically Huawei, uh, the company, donating uh, millions of, of supplies to, to Canada as it had for, for other countries. So is this China trying to make amends for a problem that originated in China? I wouldn't call it making amends. Uh, in the context of what we're talking about, that is, the letter coming out of China, now the counter-response that uh, is in our news today from the McDonald Laurier Institute, uh, is an effort to say, look, the narrative coming out of China is, is not something we should accept. And uh, it's true. China, not only, and, and we talked about this last week, when we talk about things coming out of China, yes, Huawei uh, not only is helping us, but is, is helping a lot of countries, 54 countries in Africa and so forth. And the government of China is now saying we're helping 85 countries. The distinction p- between government and their industries is, uh, let's say, an, a narrow one. So China collectively is indeed on a, on a, I won't say a make amends effort, but a let's reshape the narrative effort that we not only uh, aren't responsible for this, and we should talk about that more, but we are helping the world. And our form of government, our way of life, is the actual way forward for other parts of the world. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. You, were, you said not, we're not responsible for this. China's saying that. Yes. Uh, expand on that. What do you mean? Yes. There's also 
according to reputable news reports, there's also a disinformation campaign or a change the narrative campaign, which is being um, promoted from very senior levels inside the, the communist government of China, uh, the CCP, to say that this did not even originate in China. It's not a Chinese problem. It was one that was imported to us, or it's a de deliberate attack on us, depending on which conspiracy theory they choose to promote. But they're suggesting it was brought to Wuhan by American uh, uh, military personnel during a joint exercise a while ago. Is that actually flying, though, Elliot? Like, are people buying uh, that? I mean, we've and, and again, all you have to do is look back to SARS. This started the same way. It all comes down to the contaminated food chain and, and wet food markets, is it not? But this is the contest of narratives that, in, in part, is being uh, played out by the, the letter that we're talking about and the response from reputable people in the West to the effort by the Chinese, the government, and, and people that they um, control uh, to, to change the narrative. So the, the conspiracy theories are also there was a deliberate bioweapon. So these are, these are repeated and, and sent out according to our, you know, including our intelligence sources, uh, by the government to change the narrative from we mishandled this all along, we were duplicitous all along, we didn't inform people. Taiwan, uh, in this letter, gets a lot of praise correctly because Taiwan, Taiwan tried to warn the Chinese early that they had news on this, and, and it got uh, ignored. And Taiwan is kept out of the WT, uh, WHO, World Health Organization, by under Chinese pressure. And then the WHO gets brought into the spotlight because uh, the head of it has said some, some things that seem to concur with the Chinese narrative at the time. So all of this is one complicated picture saying there's, there are competing, narr competing narratives going on, and it's very important for the future of, of uh, how world politics unfolds and how things unfold inside China, which way the narratives go. Why are we not, why are governments not willing to hold China accountable? And whenever a lot of these arguments are brought up, we see the pendulum of political correctness swing forward, and, and, and some are even calling people who bring this stuff up racist. This has nothing to do with Chinese people. This has to do with a communist, the Chinese Communist Party. Yes. Um, that's the... So why are we are we holding them to account? Are are is the West holding China to account for this? Yes. How do you hold a major world power to account? Is yeah. the broader question. Uh, the U.S. government originally was saying things that uh, didn't really focus on China, but once the U.S. government came under pressure, then they started saying, "Hey, it isn't our fault. It's China's fault." Uh, but that did, in turn, did not lead to particular actions. So uh, we have a situation that you outlined very, very well at the opening comment. Their economies, their economy is now intermeshed with the world's economies. They are the second largest economy in the world. They have brought millions of people out of poverty at home. They are there. What do you do about it? And now they apparently are the source of a pandemic, which perhaps did not necessarily have to become a pandemic due to their own uh, uh, missteps. I, I was on the edge of saying ineptitude, but their own missteps at the start of the crisis. How do you hold a world power accountable when they are now coming to the aid of the world as part of their change the narrative, uh, change history, uh, the change the, the story uh, 
approach which is going on. The letter that we're talking about is one effort to, to say, don't accept that narrative. And boy, that's only uh, that's only helped when people like Donald Trump make it appear that they're not helping the rest of the world. But now China seems to be everybody's friend. Right, right. Uh, uh, what about the World Health Organization here? How much influence does China have over the World Health Organization? Again, Donald Trump will will jump up and down about this, but because Donald Trump says it, nobody wants to take it seriously. But yeah. is there any validity uh, in regard to China's influence over the World Health Organization? It's, uh, let's broaden it back to your question, how do you hold a major power accountable? When you're a major power, as China is, uh, then how does even an organization like the WHO go about saying, we have a job to do in the world, that is, we have to alert the world, that's our job, and we have expertise, and apparently they've got a lot of expertise, but at the same time, uh, one of their major donors is is China. So, uh, I'm not, I don't have a a good answer on how to view the WHO. It's a mixed picture. Quite clearly, the leader of the WHO was, um, let's say, open to the view that China was putting forth early on, but at the same time, they are a key player in dealing with the global pandemic, and they've got resources to do so. So I don't think you can dismiss everything that the WHO does when viewing it only through the lens of, did the head of the WHO say, things that were too nice about China very early on. Uh, no Canadian politician signed this, surprised at that? Um, I don't know who was asked. <laughs> uh, mm. uh, so I think you basically can't get more eminent, in my personal view, than Erwin Kotler as a representative of Canada to, Canada to the world. Uh, he was our justice minister, but he's also been a human rights campaigner, and, and perhaps I'm biased a bit, but he's, you know, he's a McGill professor, <laughs> a colleague of mine in that sense. So uh, I don't know the situation of the Chinese, uh, of the absence of Canadian participation at an official level. Uh, my guess is politicians today actively deciding on what to do at home about dealing with the pandemic would be very wary about trying to take on a, a, new, uh, a new element to their struggle right now. Are we at a turning point? Is the rest of the world at a turning point with its relationship with China? How, how significant is all of this? The letter we're talking about is part of the narrative to answer that. Uh, basically, it's a pushback against the, the uh, coordinated, powerful approach by China to say, we're here to help, we aren't the cause of the harm. Uh, I I'm, that's when we opened up, we talked about the Chernobyl effect. The, that really, that, that, the Chernobyl moment is, has been bubbling in the literature for a while, including a major article early February in the Atlantic magazine by a China scholar who said, we've been saying this for years. Everything bad happening in China is going to be the Chernobyl moment and earthquakes and, and uh, even the Great Leap Forward and so forth. Well, even no. Hong Kong, even yeah, Hong Kong even going Hong back Kong. to China, everybody thought, well, they're going to, you know, they're going to see how successful Hong yeah. Kong is, so they're going to adapt Western ways. That yeah. didn't happen. And he's raised doubts as a scholar uh, that this is the Chernobyl moment, that um, China has written it out in the past, and now they are trying uh, through the kinds of misinformation campaigns, disinformation campaigns, and 
the Change the Narrative campaign, and we're here to help campaign. Uh, they are trying to ride this out, and to be sure, it's not their Chernobyl moment. And, of course, Canada has a very specific situation because we have uh, two or three of our citizens who are basically being held hostage inside China, not only the two Michaels, but a Canadian Uyghur uh, Chinese uh, citizen, uh, Hussein Chalil, who's also in jail under trumped-up charges, apparently. So we have a very special dimension of this, as we have, we have um, to deal with global crisis where China is a supplier, not only initially of the, of the virus, perhaps, but also of the materials that can help us fight it. And then we have our, our bilateral situation involving uh, the two Michaels and others. Where do you see this going? What will we think of China six months from now, one year from now? two years from now not sure the the pushback that is represented by this letter which is an international effort the china uh the, the signatories don't have canadian current mps on it but it does have some from east europe in particular so um i think we have we are much clearer now than we were a short time ago before the the two michaels uh ended up under false charges apparently being held, we are much clearer in our notion of the nature of the government of China today than we were before. So we have, in, in Canadian case, we've got the double impact of, of being awakened to the nature of the regime by that, and then the world is now awakened to the nature of the regime by how they are handling the crisis. I suspect uh, that it's not at all clear even a year or two from now, how this is going to come out. The, the disintegration, basically, of, of leadership by America in the world, leaving a vacuum that China is ambitiously mm. attempting to fulfill, along with uh, Russia as a, as a partner and, and their disinformation campaigns, it's a very tenuous moment for where geopolitics is going. And I hate to be dramatic about it, but uh, even the future of democracy. Elliot Tepper has been with us, Emeritus Professor of Political Science, Carleton University. More than 100 international politicians and groups have wrote a letter stating that COVID-19 virus is China's Chernobyl moment. Uh, we'll have to wait and see on that. Elliot, thank you for the time and insight. As always, another fascinating discussion. You take care. And you take care, and I hope everybody listening, you know, honor our heroes, stay home. Thank you. Take care. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.